This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. So, where do we begin? Sounds like, well, a, we sounds begin. like a lyrics to a song, doesn't it? But uh, where do we begin? It's a love story. Love story. Oh, yes. Well, I'm Andy Williams. It probably got remade by lots of other people. Andy well. Williams? He did the... No, he no, did no, the... no. It wasn't. It was Andy, wasn't it? It was... Um, it was um, Andy Williams. In Love Story, the film. Well, he wasn't in the film. Oh, he, he sang, sang the... Uh, well, right, he okay. sang the song. Right. Yes, I think it would have been anyway, a very different Anyway, enough, enough. Let's get on to some tech. Yes. That's what you're here yes, for. Yes, yes, right. yes. So last year, we yeah. discussed a an automatically generated video of Will Smith eating spaghetti. And mm-hmm. it was it was rubbish. You know, it looked uh, really badly put together. Mm-hmm. Will Smith's features were dancing all over the place. It was just about identified about as him, but it was... You know, it was the first step, and it was clearly had a long way to go. Well, mm. it has gone a long way in the last year because OpenAI, who mm. make ChatGPT, yes. have uh, this week revealed Sora, S-O-R-A, which is their text-to-video uh, generator. Mm. And it is astonishing. If you go to openai.com slash Sora, you will be amazed by what is possible. There are things like a video of a woman walking through Tokyo on wet streets. And there's the reflections in the rain. Her face is perfect. All her actions look realistic. Her her hair moves realistically. People moving around in the background. There are videos of uh, flying over castles in Spain um, with people milling around. The castles look perfect. Golden retrievers in the snow. Again, Absolutely, absolutely perfect. Looks just like real life. It's going to and, put lots of special effects people out of work, presumably. What it is going to do is put um, libraries that say uh, footage for yeah, you know, for yeah. commercials and yes. for uh, all kinds of things. Um, put them out of business because rather than hunting through a library to find the footage you want, you can just dial it up, or you will be able to when they make it public, mm. and ask for exactly what you want. So one of the videos they show is they ask for a trailer for a film set on Mars with an astronaut wearing a knitted hat. Mm. And it produced this multiple multi-shot video, close-ups, long shots, absolutely extraordinary. No sound, but it made a film trailer for a, a film that doesn't exist. So... The mm. next step was shortly after this, 11 Labs. We talked about 11 Labs before because they do very good uh, text-to-speech. They have produced a technology that adds sound to films. Mm. So they used all of the OpenAI films. They added you know, traffic noises and footsteps to the Tokyo film, uh, snuffles and, and barks mm. to the Golden Retrievers film. And when it came to the Mars film... It automatically added not just music, but a voiceover promoting the film 
in sure typical thing. film voiceover mode. And do, you, do you go to Sora and just type things in, or they just give you examples of the things they've already done? They give you examples of the things they've already done. It is not right. yet available to, okay. uh, to the likes of so, you and I. So where does this lead to in the end? Presumably if you're watching a, a film that's AI generated, you mm. want to say, oh, I don't want a, a sorry, uh, you know, an unhappy ending. I want a happy end. I want a love story with a happy ending. Well. And it will just create it. Eventually, I think that's probably exactly what's going to happen. Wow. It is absolutely... I just can't really think of all the ramifications. Well, in uh, a year when there are elections both here and, more crucially, in the United States, we can expect to see vast amounts of fake video promoted on social media, targeted at floating voters, and uh, and it's worrying. And, And no way of working out what is real and what is not. No. You cannot no longer trust what you see or hear. Oh. And that's been the case. Well, don't tell that to our listeners. <laughs> apart, apart from us, we're real. Yes. Mind you, if we yes. weren't real, we'd be saying that anyway. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So do, I urge you to go to we openai.com slash Sora. I think they can rest assured, because if we were AI generated, we'd be a lot more um, believable and plausible, and there'd be fewer ums and ors, or me going off into side alleys about Andy Williams. <laughs> that's proof that, proof that we're real. <laughs> so where do we go now? Well, what happens if your phone gets wet? Well, obviously, you put it in a bag of rice. Anyone knows that? Yes, yes. No, says <clears throat> Apple. No, 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 don't do that, because there's a chance that bits of rice could get into your phone. Ooh. What they say is, well, for a start, there are things that are much more absorbent than rice. For right. example, porridge, couscous, really? and cat litter. Oh, cat yes. litter, I've heard, is very absorbent. Mm. I think people have suggested that instead of rice. I've heard of that yes, one. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, what Apple say is unplug it, tap the charging port downwards to let the water out, and then just leave it to dry out. Of course, these days, uh, iPhones in particular are water resistant. In mm. fact, everyone since 2017, the year they removed the headphone port, they have been effectively waterproof. And mm-hmm. I know when I fell in a river a couple of years ago holding my, my phone, and, and it worked perfectly when I got it out. Did you just take, get out and turn it on, or did you go do the thing with the rice first? No, no, I just turned it on. Wow. The only needed thing you need to do uh, to get the water out is if you, before you put the cable in the charging port. But the, um, uh, if it detects water in there, then it won't charge and it will disable the cable. So, so you know, they've thought of everything, really. Well, that's good. And yet in the new version of Mr. and Mr. Smith, which you recommended to me, hmm. there is actually somewhere where he gets a, some uncooked rice and puts somebody's phone in it to dry that's it out. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Not in a very sophisticated way, it has to be said. He just dunks well, it in a bowl. Water damage to phones does happen roughly. Apparently, last year, 1.8 million people dropped their phone down the toilet. How did they measure something well, like that? Because they then claimed on their insurance. Oh, okay. But um, well, yeah, then it's probably much more than 1.8 million people because there'll be presumably another 1.8 million do embarrassed to tell their insurers what they've done. Yeah, I certainly would be. <laughs> yes. Oh, good gracious. Well, if we're done with that, let's have one of these. Blind people hmm. uh, very often have guide dogs. And I know because when I was a kid, when you were a kid, mm-hmm. we used to be encouraged to send our milk bottle tops to Blue Peter, who would somehow fashion them true. into guide dogs. That is Not true, yes. yes. 
trouble is there aren't enough guide dogs. There are only 20,000 guide dogs in total on this planet uh, compared to 43 million blind people. And guide dogs are very expensive. Apparently it costs up to £40,000 per dog because of all the training, because they take an awful lot of training. Well, what they need instead, perhaps, is the RoboGuide, the seeing eye robot dog. This is something that's been developed by the University of Glasgow, and it uses a robot dog called the Unitree Go One, which is available for just over two thousand pounds. Which probably could be made I mean, of bot- bottle tops. It doesn't. Um, it probably could. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't provide the companionship that uh, mm. real guide dogs do. But on the other hand, you don't have to feed it. You don't have to bath it. Just have to plug it in every now and again. Maybe it even plugs itself in. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yes. What's it's the drawback? Uh, the drawback is it's not yet available. They're just developing it. But I know, I think it's, a, it's an excellent idea. Whether, I mean, someone going into a pub with a robot dog on a leash will raise a few eyebrows, but of course the blind person won't know the eyebrows have been raised unless the dog tells them. Well, that, that is true. On the other hand, most pubs will allow guide dogs in. Will they allow robot guide dogs? Who knows? Who knows? There probably isn't yet a pre-printed sign saying no robot <laughs> that dogs. Is, that is true. That is true. So we're now. Infertility. There may well be a cure for infertility on the horizon. Hmm. And the uh, the answer is to man up and grow a pair. Or a pair of what? A pair of testicles. Oh, okay. Lab-grown testicles. Oh, you've this got is joking. an initiative from the Bar Ilan University in Israel, who have grown uh, pairs of testicles from neonatal mouse cells, and then implanted them into mice, where they apparently work. Right, as an extra pair, or I imagine they removed the original pair. Well, I. You know what these people do in labs. I mean, it doesn't bear thinking about. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It do- really doesn't. Okay, that's fine. But only on my so far. Only on my so, so far. If I were a, a, a man and slightly nervous, I would keep well clear of that particular university for fear that they might suddenly <laughs> decide they want to do a test on somebody human. For yes. the time being, perhaps, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to, well, basketball. Basketball's a hugely popular sport, more in the US than here, mm-hmm. of course. And the trouble with basketballs is that they can get punctured. And I suppose you can patch a basketball like you can a bicycle in a tube, but it's the patch is going to come off when it's handled, when it bounces mm-hmm. on the ground. It's going to be very difficult to do. So this is introducing the airless basketball, made by Wilson, the main maker of basketballs. And it's a 3D printed basketball with a complex lattice structure. <laughs> and it cannot puncture. The airless Gen 1, it's called, yours for just $2,500. But hang on a second. How often do basketballs puncture? They're probably a great deal less than $2,500. Almost certainly, yes. Okay. They've admitted that the people who buy this thing will probably not be basketball players, but they will be people who just like to have have you know, the latest tech, or people put it yes. in a box and never open it, then it'll be worth twice as much in 10 years' time. Yes. Wilson, of course, was the name that uh, uh, in that film Cast Away with Tom Hanks, um, and he called his friend, Wilson, who was just a basketball, called him Wilson yes. because of that, yes. Because of yes, that, yes, exactly. Yes. 
I don't think he got punched. I haven't seen the film for a long time. I don't think he got punched. He was in pretty adverse circumstances. He was, yes. Yes, yeah. I think this is a an invention that's rather pointless. Um, but it's time for us just to take a brief pause. We'll be back in a moment with yet more Gadgets and Gizmos. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Gashet and Gizmos. I'm Simon Rose. He's Steve Kaplan. And onwards we go. And we're talking about keeping cool in the summer. I know it doesn't look like summer at the moment, no. but but it will do in a few months. We're, we're confidently assured that summer is coming in. And we may then be able to take advantage of keep cool clothing. This is clothing impregnated with nano diamonds. Mm-hmm. And what nano diamonds do is they literally draw heat out of your body, which is very clever. And not that much heat, they cool you by between two and three degrees. So it's, you know, diamonds on the on the soles of your They're shoes. Useful in this country, help. not so useful in some other very hot countries. Exactly. Again, it's something that uh, is being worked on by RMT, RMIT University, and they just published this in the journal Polymers for Advanced Technologies. Not a journal I read regularly, but it's one that, uh, that yes. perhaps I could start reading from now on. We've had other sort of tech things that are impregnated into garments that reduce yes. temperature before, mm-hmm. haven't we? We have. Yes, that's clearly clearly something they're working on. Yes, but at the moment it's just miserable and cold out, so I'd rather have something that warmed me up rather than cooled me down. Well, the best way to cool yourself down is uh, to spray water on yourself, water on your jumper. Yes. Yes. You're wearing a jumper in, uh, in hot weather. Um, yes. Not because the water itself cools you down, but evaporation. Yes. Uh, draws heat out of you. Well, yes, a little bit early in the year, but yes, a, a, a wet towel on skin cools you down marvellously in the middle of summer if it's really hot. But not a problem we're going yes. to suffer for a few months yet. So what, what do we have next? Uh, we're moving over, a overseas to Japan, who are about to launch the first wooden satellite. Which seriously? Is, seriously, yes. Okay. The problem being, there's lots and lots of satellites up there. Mm. And they're made of uh, usually aluminium housing. Mm. And when they are with the end of their use, they go they go into the ozone layer where they burn up and they deplete the ozone layer because all that aluminium um, goes out and it's, it's toxic. So it's, they are environmentally uh, very bad. What Japan has done has tried a number of different woods on the International Space Station, Mm. actually almost certainly mounted on the outside of the International Space Station, and they found that wood actually lasts surprisingly well in space. Um, It doesn't crack, it doesn't degrade because there's no oxygen. Mm. Uh, There are no creatures there, so no chance of termites or woodworm or anything like that. (laughs) Right. And the best wood is magnolia, which um, I didn't realise was 
really a wood because magnolia I mean you get plants magnolia mm. like you get bushes but you don't get a big magnolia trunk so I don't quite know how they're going to are going to do that yes you do anyway. Magno, magnolia yes we went past one beginning to bud just the other day it was quite substantial in somebody's front house oh, two right. big magnolia trees yeah 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 oh, yeah, oh yeah. well there you go so what they could do is chop them down and make satellites out of them yeah, well, you're going to worry now if you've got magnolia trees. <laughs> Rogue Japanese scientists it's, roaming it's called the countryside. The, um, it's called the Lignosat. And when it reaches its ends of life, it'll just burn up on re-entry as, and turn it into ash. Staggeringly clever. And no problems on launch, presumably. No, apparently not. I mean, they don't, they don't stick it on the outside of the rocket when they launch it. They say, no, you know, no, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all very clever. It is very clever. Yeah. And talking of firing things off into space, um, six doctors in Nebraska have been performing surgical operations remotely for Nebraska to uh, a surgical robot on the International Space Station. Right. And the um, surgical procedure that they have been doing is uh, splicing through rubber bands, which, OK, it's it's not really operating on a person but it requires dexterity it requires mm. careful manipulation of the implements and the rubber bands behave somewhat like human skin because they they, they move around they're, they're flexible and um and apparently it's, it's very successful the robot itself has a 76 centimeter arm mm. so that's an arm just over two feet long for for you that weighs just under a kilogram, so a couple of pounds. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. And obviously it has a, a camera built in. And and they say, and I'm quoting here, that it, it could have meaning for future missions to Mars. Now, I very much doubt that because of the time lag involved. Oh, you oh, you beat me to it. Mm. I was going to say oh, sorry, you'd like to say it. What no, you say? Well, well, what about the time lag? Well, we've watched For All Mankind, and there is a time lag between yes. Earth and Mars. Yes. There is. There is. Um, and as if you're operating on someone and you found out, oh, my God, they're hemorrhaging. But in fact, they started hemorrhaging three minutes earlier. That could yes. be a bit of a problem. I agree. Hmm. I, yeah, I don't understand that. Well, so they could use it, I suppose, when the astronauts go to the moon, if they happen to yes. get ill when they're there. But also for um, things like operating on people in, in war zones, for example. Yes. Yes, but not Mars. You would have thought they would have thought about that. You would have thought they would have thought. But um, well, maybe they, I don't know. Not maybe everybody... they have when they just thought, no, by the time they get to Mars, people would have forgotten we said this. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, not very comforting. You're actually in the first mission to Mars and you've left all the doctors behind. Yes. Yeah. yes right. Well, let's move on. What do you have for us now? Um, let us move on to some Korean scientists who... Um, have been experimenting with making sort of artificial food again. And we've talked quite a lot on this programme mm. uh, about artificial meat, about um, meat-like products made without any meat. What they're doing is making vegetable products with meat attached. So they have taken muscle and fat stem cells from cows and transplanted those stem cells into grains of rice to produce, and the rice is already coated in fish gelatin, which apparently helps the stem cells to stick. Right. And they have produced 
a, a very cheap, high-protein food, and it looks like rice. It's coloured pink, so it looks a bit like somewhere between rice and a packet of mince. Okay. And it's cheaper to produce, uh, less carbon dioxide involved in uh, in its production. And they say that it could be useful for the military, for space travel, and and particularly for famine zones, where they can very quickly produce very high protein uh, protein mm. foods, um, but are easy to make and then easy to cook at the other end. Well, I hated uh, it, of course, but it, who knows? Might well, be well, well, say quite useful for lazy chefs. Or for lazy chefs, yes. Yes. It looks somewhat unattractive. It's not full-on Barbie pink. It's more muted. But anyway, who, who cares? Oh. It'll probably taste delicious. Okay. Uh, let us go on then to solar cells. And some scientists in Turkey have discovered that the way to make solar cells more efficient is to make them lumpy. So solar cells are angled towards mm. the sun. But most of them don't actually move. They're just angles so they, they catch most of the sun mm, yes. for most of the day. What they discovered if they, is if they add spherical nanoshells, nanoshells made of silica, to the surface of the solar cells, then they trap light from a much bigger range of angles. And they can then, that then focuses the sunlight. And it can boost the efficiency of solar cells, they say, by up to two-thirds. Which it's is impressive. impressive. But didn't didn't we discuss something similar to this a few months ago? A way of improving solar cells? I, I've got a vague memory that um, somebody else came up yes, with some other something to do idea. with perovskite, wasn't it? There were, well, people are looking for yes, all kinds yeah. of ways of improving the efficiency. Because solar cells are not that efficient. Uh, I'm forgetting the exact number, but it's really quite, quite small. Mm. So any way that you can boost it yes. simply and cheaply is obviously a, a great advantage. Okay. Fantastic. Anything else or are we there? And finally. Oh. And finally. So you've seen movies of the Second World War of people with anti-aircraft guns shooting down um, enemy planes. Mm. And you see the row of tracers coming out. Yes, yes. Uh, and the reason for the tracer, like every fifth bullet is effectively a little light, um, mm. an incendiary uh, mm. shell, so they can see where their, uh, where their bullets are going. Yes. The trouble is it also shows the planes where the bullets are coming from, which is a right. bit of a problem if you're one of the people firing the bullets from your anti-aircraft gun. Uh, so what can we do to make that better? Well, the answer seems to be um, thermal scopes. It's called the Thermosite Hiss HD, and it is a headset that uh, soldiers can wear. And it catches the it allows the gunners to see the flight of the bullet by picking up their thermal um thermal Sign signature signal. That's the one. Signature. Right. Or signature, yeah. yep. So that they can see with their scope where the bullets are going, but no one outside, unless they're wearing a thermal scope as well, can see where the bullet is coming from. I suppose it won't be long before they start wearing the thermal scopes in the planes. Yeah. Okay. But well, until they capture their own thermal scope, then it's, it's a good idea. So next time you you're out shooting down planes, get yourself. I will. I will bear this in mind. Site. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Well, I mean, yes, I must go online then and look at openai.com forward slash Sora. Please. It is. It really is startling that the 
um, the degree of realism. And there, there are some curious errors that, that pop up as well. Mm-hmm. But they've left in there. Uh, so there's one of, there was, they asked for a bunch of, uh, I think, golden retrievers um, just playing. Mm-hmm. And several golden retrievers sort of pop in and out of existence as, as you watch. It's, Is this um, the one where they have a, 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 a Japanese woman who's a chef? Did I read about that the other day? And she's sort of demonstrating some recipe and then arms disappear at certain times and weird oh, things like that. This. Possible. this, this oh, is okay. not that one. But, oh, um, but another one. Yeah, uh, another okay. one like that. But it is startling. It is mind-boggling. Prepare for your mind to be even more boggled than you would expect it. And the realism is just its astonishing. I will go and have a look. Steve, thank go you very much indeed. Thank you for all the gadget and gizmo you discussed this week. We will be back with more, of course, at the same time next week. That's it, though, from Steve Kaplan and myself for this week's Gadget and Gizmos. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.